Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. So, so happy to see you. We are continuing this series on prayer, but before we get into it, just want to run over a couple things. When you came in today, you were giving a, uh, this, what's called our mission pledge, and just so you understand what this is, is Every year we set our missions budget based off of the pledges that people say, yeah, I'm believing that I can, I'm going to give that next year. And just so you're aware, we have amazing missionaries that we support and we give. And 100% of what you give to our missions program is going to our missionaries. And so I want you to know that 100% is going to our missions program that we can serve them and, and minister to them. And so we just ask you if you would consider what God would have you to give as a generous person, whatever that may be. You may think, oh, Jason, it's just, I don't, it's just $5 a month or, or $100, 1000 whatever it is that God would lay, lay on your heart. I want you to know something. It matters. And that's the power of family. It's the power of, of the gathering of believers that we together can do things that are greater than we could ever do on our own. Amen. And so as we give, as we, as we pledge, you also get to be a part of what God does through their lives. And so we are seeing God do amazing things in South Africa. We're seeing him do amazing things in Thailand, in Japan, in South America, in Africa. We are watching God work as well as we are supporting those who are planting churches, planting schools, raising up pastors, because here's the truth, our world, on the other side of this, is going to be hungry for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have an opportunity to be a part of what God would do. And so I just want to encourage you to pray about it. Take it with your family. Talk it over over lunch. Talk to your, to your kids about it. Hey, listen, what do we want to give? And maybe in, invite your children to even give. Because part of the, the purpose of this is to get missions in the hearts of our children, of our young adults. Because the truth is this, we need a lot of missionaries to go to the nations of the world. We need people to go to the places who have not heard the gospel. And so that might be your child. And mama's like, no, it ain't my child. It just might be if God's hand was on their life. Amen? And so we want to be, we want to continue to do that. So whatever you give, 100% of it goes to our missions program. And so what, whatever we're able to reach, that's what we're going to give out. If we don't reach our goal, we'll just adjust the support of our missionaries. But I just would encourage you to pray about it, to ask God what you can do, a part of it. No amount is too small and no amount is too large for the kingdom of God. He will bless you as you lean in and be, get to be a part of what God does in this next great revival in our world. Amen. Come on, say amen. All right, great. That's awesome. Also, I want to share with you something that I know will bless you. And because of who you are as a church, because of what God is doing through us as a church during this time, I just want to share with you some of our stories of our no empty tables when we were able to give out meals and boxes that were for families to take home and to have a Thanksgiving meal in their own home, around their own table, so they can be, do it in dignity and to be blessed by the church of Jesus Christ and by Jesus himself. I just want to share with you a few stories that we've heard as we 
did this the, the week leading up to Thanksgiving, which was last Sunday. But one, one lady who, who was able to come and get some meals, eight boxes, she was able to take to eight different families that have lost their jobs and livelihood during the pandemic. And so we were able to bless those eight families in the name of Jesus. Also a manager at a local restaurant had, at, in Old Town um, actually had to lay off 30 people and they came to get vouchers and their box for her furloughed employees so they could have food at Thanksgiving. And she took those boxes and she blessed those, those staff that she had as a manager and had to lay off. And so she, she was blessed, but then they were blessed in the name of Jesus. We prayed over every one of those boxes as those, as those boxes would make their way into people's homes, that they'd be filled with hope, that Jesus would make himself available to them. And so we believe that God was doing that through these boxes. Someone was able to bless three families with a dinner, because of our, uh, of our church of a Thanksgiving dinner. One lady, um, now she's like, man, I'm gonna be coming to your church once some of the vi virus things kind of chills out a bit because of how you have served our community and served me. What you've done has meant so much to me. One person said that the Thanksgiving dinner is all that she gets this season of Thanksgiving and she is beyond blessed that this is something she needed more than anything and it brought hope and encouraged her. A family of 14, we're gonna be, um, we're gonna be able to have a Thanksgiving dinner on, on the, our, able to have one on the table last week because a friend of theirs who goes here to faith knew about them, came and, and, and sent them over here to pick up some boxes so that they can have a meal in their home in the name of Jesus. A woman who had no transportation but really needed a box. She was far away, but somebody in our church loaded up that box, took it to her house, gave it to her, blessed her, put a Thanksgiving meal on her table. Hey, listen, we are here to bless this city. This city will be better because we are here. We're gonna be the light of Jesus Christ, amen? And I guess Jesus really knew what he was talking about when he said it is better or it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And I just want you to be encouraged. We are continuing to be salt and light in a world that needs the church to shine more than ever. Don't pull back. Don't step back. We're going to continue to let our light shine. Why? Because God said to do it. So by golly, we're going to obey him. Amen. Well, guys, listen, as we, uh, as we wrap up this series on prayer, I just really, I wanted to close out this time looking at a prayer or really a model of prayer that Jesus gave us as the church, gave his disciples. And there are some incredible statements in this passage that we're about to read. But I believe God wants to meet you in a really, really unique way today. Jesus wants to meet you. I hope you know that the God of the universe, he wants to meet you. You're not searching and, and, and longing for something that you hope is there. I want you to know something. The reality of God through his son, Jesus Christ, is there for you today. He's there to give you peace in the midst of your anxiety. He's there to give you, to give you a strength when you feel really weak. He's there to give you hope when you are longing and looking for hope. Jesus wants to meet you today. And I titled this, I titled this series, Pray Your Breakthrough Depends on It. And I really believe that. I really believe that many of our breakthroughs, many of the things that you need in your life are actually found on the other side of you praying and asking God to meet you. 
I'm so thankful that, that God constantly throughout Scripture tells us to pray. There's a reason Jesus said, I want you to ask. I want you to seek. I want you to knock. I'm so thankful, so thankful that God is not like some of us dads that on long road trips and the kids go, hey, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? We're like, listen, shut your mouth. Don't say another word. God doesn't say that. He says, keep asking. So we say, hey, hey, God, I, you know, listen, I need this. He's like, you know, it's coming, but keep asking. God, are we there yet? It, not yet, but keep asking. God, are you going to meet my needs? Yes, I am, but keep asking. He says, I want you to talk to me. I want you to converse with me. How many, how many here are grateful that God's not like you, right? Amen. Amen. He's different. And he says, I want you to talk. I want you to pray. I want you to seek me. I want you to ask. I want you to knock. I want you to keep leaning into me because I am going to meet you. And I'm going to answer your prayers. And so our breakthrough is on the other side of us seeking God. The, perp, or the, the, the passage that was the foundation of this prayer series was James chapter 5, verse 16. And it says this, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And you might be thinking, well, well no, wonder, no wonder my prayers are being answered. I'm not righteous. That's what it is. And I want you to know something today that According to scripture, if you are in Christ, if you have asked Jesus to cleanse you and forgive you, he has brought you and adopted you into his family. And so therefore, you are not clothed in your righteousness, which is like a filthy rag. You are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus, meaning when you come before God and you pray and you seek him and you earnestly pray, God receives you and he looks at you as though you are clothed in Jesus's righteousness. He looks at you and sees you like he looks at his son. So you need to know that today, that you are righteous in Christ Jesus. You don't come into God's presence based off of how good you are. You come into God's presence based off of how good his son is. Amen? And so we know this. Since that is true, in Christ you are righteous. Your prayers have great power and it produces, it brings forth, it manifests wonderful results. So either God is lying or this scripture is actually true. And we know that it's true. And so as we walk through some of these prayers, we've looked at different prayers. We looked at a prayer from Moses as he interceded for the children of Israel. And we learned from that that we are not hopeless, we are not a victim, that we have options and we can pray and prayer is our greatest option. We've looked at a prayer from Paul when he revealed to us that as we come to God, yes, we are to posture ourselves in humility and worship and, and to adore him. We also have learned, though, that God postures himself towards you. So many times people think, well, I come to God, it's a one-way conversation, and then he just listens to me, and then, and then I don't ever hear anything. No, God is waiting, and he's postured towards you when you come to him. You are in a relationship. There is this divine interaction between you and God when you come and you pray. Last week we learned from the Psalms out of Psalm 107 that God is all about restoring, renewing, 
and doing things in your life by his grace, regardless of where you find yourself last week or today. God's able to meet you. He's able to rescue you. He's able to satisfy your deepest needs. And he's just waiting for you to call out to him in prayer. Today, we're going to come to one of the most probably well-known passages in Scripture. We're going to be looking at what's referred to as the Lord's Prayer, but it really isn't the Lord's Prayer. It's His prayer that He modeled and said, when you pray, this is how you should do it. The reason why it's not the Lord's Prayer is because in the prayer, He says, Lord, He says, Father, forgive but forgive me as I can forgive those in my life or those who trespass against me. Jesus was perfect. He doesn't need to ask for forgiveness. He was laying the model for you and I as we come to God. So we have this account, this interaction of the disciples and Jesus. And Jesus is praying. And when he gets done praying, the disciples ask this question. They say, hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And so this is the passage we have today, and God's going to speak to you from it because his word is alive, his word is transforming, his word is, is, is piercing us, is cutting us, is healing us, is encouraging us all at the same time. Everybody say amen to that. Luke chapter 11, this is the interaction today. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, okay, when you pray, do it this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I'll tell you what, let's read this together starting with our Father, okay. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is something that people have repeated for many, many, many years in churches. But Jesus gave this model of prayer as an example for us to follow. Now, Jesus wasn't saying every time you pray, I want you to say these words just like this. That's not what he was saying. He was giving us an example on how we are to pray, a model of when we do pray, keep these things in your mind. Make sure that when you do pray, remember these aspects of prayer. And so this model is about you understanding God's heart and character. That when we come to God in prayer, we have access to things that you may not even realize. Prayer is so intimidating to so many of us. Probably some of us, one of the worst things that could ever happen to you is you were to go to, to like someone's small group and they're like, hey, let's open up and pray. And they're like, hey, will you pray? You'd be like, no. And for some reason, prayer is... It's, it's something we can struggle with, but God wants to set you free from that today. And he wants you to know, one, he longs to hear your voice. So I titled this prayer, which it's super clever. Sorry, I titled this, this, um, this message, super clever, is this. When you pray, pray like this. That's how I did it. And so it's just very simple, but I want you to hear from Jesus today. 
So Jesus said this, number one, when you pray, one, talk to God the way a child talks to a loving father. Talk to God the way that a child talks to a loving father. He said, when you pray, when you come into, into God's presence, when you call on him, you were to say, our father. You know, the truth is this, how we pray really is determined by how we see the one that we're praying to. How we pray is really, it's really influenced deeply by how we see God. Just like any conversation or any relationship. If I know, I'm, if I wanted to come to you and, and I, wanted to, I was going to have a conversation with you, but if I knew that in the middle of the conversation you're going to interrupt me, before I finish my sentence, you're going to start yours. There's, there's this joke, we do use this in my house sometimes. I'll say, oh, I'm so sorry. The beginning of your sentence interrupted the middle of mine. I don't say that to my kids, I don't say that to my wife. But anyway, it's, it's, husbands are like smart. Okay, so. But so many times, if you think that, you know, I, I, I'm going to go to this individual and I'm going to talk to them, but you realize, no, you know what? They're going to criticize me. They're going to tell me where, where I'm wrong. They're going to tell me, well, I don't agree with you anyway. They're going to they're make me feel like an idiot. They're going to condemn me. You know what? I'm just good. I'm not going to actually talk to them. How we see God really determines our readiness to come to him and talk to him. So the question for all of us today, how do we see God? Well, Jesus begins this, this model of prayer on the right understanding on how we see God when we come to him. And he says, Father. Jesus wanted you to know that when you come to God in prayer, you can speak to him the way that a child speaks to a loving, caring, interested, faithful father. I don't know if you've thought about this before, but out of all of the religions, if you were to think about all the religions in all of the world, all the false ones, which all of them are except for Christianity, none of them teach God as father. This whole idea that God is our father is unique to followers of Jesus Christ that we can call him Father. When you pray, you need to understand that it is your Father, your loving Father that is with you, that is behind you, that is for you, that sees you, that, that you're just not praying to some being that's way out there and doesn't really care about you. No, 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 that is a lie. He is close to you, as Jesus said, as a Father. He is your Father. Your God is your Father. He is supporting you. He hears you. He's doing life with you. He feels what you feel. He sees your tears in the night. He knows of your anxiety and your questions. He's a Father. And He loves to hear your voice. He loves doing life with you. He loves to see your confidence when you come to him, that, that you come to him knowing that he's there to help you and to serve you. He's so pleased that you come to him when you actually have a need. He's not like, well, what do you want again? No, he is so pleased as a father wants you to come to him. It's like a child walking into 
the house that's maybe made a mistake or, or go, gone through something or maybe if, if you have some teenagers that maybe they've gotten a little fender bender or they screwed up or they, they blew a test or they, or they got in a, a fight at school or something happened and they come into the house and that child lifts their voice that needs advice and walks into the house and says, hey, d- dad, dad, yeah? I need to talk to you. (laughs) That's how you come to God. You come to God and simply call on your Father. What's so beautiful about what Jesus is communicating, is instructing us as we come to God, is showing us that when we call on God. Now think about this. When we call on God. That the name that we're to use to God, God of the universe, the God who measures the universe by the span of his hand, that the earth is his footstool, who spoke and, and things came into existence, who created everything from nothing, who shaped the world and the universe, and he, he is, and he dwells in it. That same God, what we're, the name we're supposed to use is of his role in our lives, Father. It's amazing for us to understand the the heart of God. You're to call him Father. Now don't miss this, Don't, 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 don't move past this. Out of all of the descriptions and the different names that we could call God from Scripture, think about it. Like the the Lord, Lord God Almighty, the Most High God, Lord and Master, the Everlasting God, the Lord of Hosts, the Great I Am. Out of all those names we have in the Bible, which of course are all accurate, Jesus tells us, think about this. He tells you, when you call on God, use this name, Father. Now friends, you you need to know this today and let this resonate deeply in your soul today. Father, the name Father is God's preferred name from you to him. He's proud to be your father. When you say father, he's like, that's my boy. That's my girl. He's so thrilled that you're his son. So thrilled that you're his daughter. He is your father that knows your needs even before you ask. And he's just not a general father because he created everything. So, of course, yeah, yeah, he's a father. Okay, I get that. No, he is your father. By the work and the virtue of his son, Jesus Christ, whom he sent, the father sent, to die for you in your place, enabling us, enabling you to become adopted by him. He loves you and he loves doing things for you. So when you pray, when you talk to God, You are to do it in a way that a child speaks to a loving father. A loving, compassionate, forgiving, interested, caring father. 
So many times we think, you know, it, it, you know I, I'm sure you've heard folks when they pray and I know their intentions are right and it's, you know, it's like they talk normal and then when they pray, they go to like King James, like, oh, thou is holy as Godeth. I, I, what, what are you doing? Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, it's this intimate connection. It's in these moments of difficult times that you need to know that you have a father who stands at the door of your life and defends you, protects you, watches over you, provides for you. Runs off the, the evil one, runs off those who would try to harm you. Runs off, he, he stands at the door of his house because you're in his house. And he says, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm the dad here. Talk to me. Talk to me. It's like a, something happening and someone, you know, comes up and they want to get, get on to, to, to your child. And Listen, any good dad, you're standing there. You saw another adult or someone trying to come over and mess with your kids. And they start kind of chewing them out, making them feel bad. What are you going to step right in between and say, excuse me, I'm the dad. Talk to me. Talk to me. And the kid's like, yeah. <laughs> That's your father. He stands at the door of your life. He says, hey, daughter, get, get behind me. I'm your father. This is my responsibility. I'll take care of this. That is what Jesus wants you to know. When you pray, Jesus wants you to feel the fatherhood of God as a witness in your spirit and soul that God is eager to meet your needs. Why? Because he's a good dad. He's your father. Secondly, Jesus says this, when you pray, number two, ask your father to help you correctly represent his name through your life. So he says, our Father in heaven, then he says this, hallowed, which means holy, be your name. Most of the time when people read this or, or see this passage of, of the Lord's Prayer, they see it as a statement about God. That God is holy, but actually this is not a statement, it's actually a request and the request is that Jesus is saying we're to make is this. And Father, I pray that your name would be regarded as sacred and holy. I pray that God, that, that your name would be held in high honor. That your name would be, would be seen and experienced for what it really is. That your name would be treated with reverence. This is a, this is a prayer that God's name would be held in high honor but I, I, I want to lean in a little bit more today, make this more personal and practical for us. And this is really the, the, the main point of what I want us to take away today. But the beginning of this model prayer, yes, it's identifying God as Father, the fatherhood of God on your life. But also, if God is your Father, that means you are His child, right? You belong to His family. You're a part of his, of his home, of his house. 
And so you are, by saying our father, you are identifying yourself as his child. Meaning you have been marked by God. Meaning you carry his name. Meaning you carry his presence. Meaning his name is on your life. You are a follower of God. In other words, you carry the name of God on your life. Kind of like in my, in my family, we have some family values, as I'm sure some of you do. Maybe many of you do in your home. And these values are what we filter everything through. So we say, hey, our family values, you respect, you honor, and you love. If it's not respectful, if it's not honoring to somebody else, if it's not loving, don't do it. Don't do it. And we have one more also is that nothing we do in this home will be done out of anger. Nothing. So I have two teenagers, a boy and a girl, Seth and Ellie. As they get older, they're, they're a little goofing around and wrestling gets a little bit more, how do you say this, destructive. That's probably the best way of saying it. But they love it. They play and they wrestle and, and let, get after it. And they're having a great time. But the moment it switches from, yeah, this is fun to I'm um, angry, I, knock it off. We're not having that in this house. No anger in this house. It's a value. It's a, now listen, you're going get to get a hold of your anger and then you can start hitting each other again. But you will not hit each other out of anger. Amen? It's, it's about a heart issue. It's, a, it's about a spirit issue. And so there are, there are some values. There are some things that our, our family carries. We are the king family. This is what we do. We are this way. We're not that way. We are this way because we are a family. And this is our values. God's family has values. We are marked by the name of God on our lives. Just like my children have been given my name. When you adopt people into your family, they are given your name. They are marked by you. You are marked by God as he is your father. You are now his child. And that comes with a set of values and house rules that we are to live our lives by. Jesus is saying that when, when you are to pray, when you come to him, we are asking God that we would represent his name to those around us. That we would hold his name in high honor and how we live our lives. Jesus is saying that we are to pray that God's name will be honored and regarded as holy by the practical step of this. Being aware that God, you would help me to represent your name that's marked my life, your holy nature through my life and how I live it. That's what Jesus is saying. There's something powerful about a name. And just like your family carries a name and that name has a reputation, our God, our family that you and I are a part of, we carry a name and that name has a reputation to uphold, and that's called the holiness of God. Does anybody, here's a question, does anybody here have a name that your, your wonderful parents, or maybe a name because maybe it's a, it's a name from, you came from another country, or it's exotic, and, but, but maybe some of you had some wonderful parents that thought it'd be really clever to spell your name differently than it has ever been spelt before in the history of spellings. 
And you're like, no, that's Katie with two, two T's, two I's, two Y's. Like what? Don't even ask. It's just what my parents did. So if, if you have one of those unique names, that means you've spent a lot of time in school with your name usually being mispronounced. And nobody likes their name mispronounced. Nobody does. There's just something about a name that just, that's not my name. Or have you ever been called the wrong name? Be like, oh, hey, John. You're like, it's Tim. Like, it just makes you feel so loved when no one actually knows your name, right? It always bothers us when we're called the wrong name and, or our name is mispronounced. We're never okay with it. There's just something, that's my name. There was actually, this is true, true story. There was a pastor here who was on staff for almost 30 years who, um, I've been around the church for a while, you know, in and out, but probably close to 11, 12 years. But my wife actually grew up here. But this pastor always called me Justin. I'm on staff with the guy. And what was even worse, he always called my wife Sherry. And so it'd be like, he'd be like, oh, hey, Justin, hey, Sherry. I'd be like, it's Jason, Cheryl. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And it's like, you know, like three years later, hey, Justin, hey, Sherry. No, it's Jason, Cheryl. You know, like seventh year, hey, Justin, hey, Sherry. Hi. But all of us, we feel slighted when our name isn't used correctly or pronounced correctly or someone doesn't remember it. And it it feels, it's painful. Jesus says that when you pray, ask God to help you pronounce his name properly through how you live your life. Our Father... May your name that is on my life be pronounced correctly through my life. Because, God, I, I hold your name in such honor and holiness. I desire to show those around me who you really are. Who you really are. I really believe this, this aspect if people can get it and understand it, it can, it can transform your life. So many times in this prayer, we, we rush to the, oh, wait, let's get to the good stuff. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because, man, we've all read that book from Bill Johnson, and that's what we want. Earth to heaven, earth to heaven. And we like to give us this daily bread. Oh, yeah, that one too. Oh, yes, let's get there. But listen, I believe your view of God and your desire and your heart's desire to honor him with your life, to communicate who he is with your life and properly represent him in and through your life is the door that you must enter to fully access everything else in this prayer. God's kingdom. Think about this. And will is not done by those who don't view God with adoration, with worship, as holy, as righteous. This is so important for us in our prayer lives to see God properly, to have hallowed be that may your name be be holy through my life, God. May we desire to pronounce his name properly to those around us. 
But before you start thinking, well, then, then forget it. I can't, Jason. I can't. I, the holiness of God? Are you kidding that somehow my life can emulate God's holiness? I can't represent that. You're right. You cannot. That's why you pray. That's why you ask God to help. God, first help me to see you as holy. Help me to see you as you are. Help me to represent you as you are, God. And for you to do this is impossible. You can't, here's the truth, you can't even make yourself open your eyes to see God as holy. You've got, there's no ability within you. You are totally depraved. You've got nothing to be able to see God as holy. He himself, through his grace, opened your eyes so you can see him as holy. God himself has to open your eyes to see him properly. But Jesus says we can pray and request from our Father to help us see him as holy so that we could carry his name properly. I, I believe really this. I, th I think one of the issues why we've seen a decline in probably the American church, the evangelical church, is that we've, we've, lost, we've lost the understanding that God is holy. We've lost the fact that he is majestic, he is right, his ways are the ways, his word is the word. And when you lose the holiness and the understanding of holiness of God, it impacts every, everything about you. And so churches begin, have begun to teach, you know what, it's that your sexual orientation and, and, and your, your marriage and what you do with your money and what you, it doesn't matter. God is love and there's nothing wrong with knowing God is love. But I think there was a season as the church came out of probably a legalistic movement probably 20 years ago that God needed to highlight some scriptures of his grace and his kindness that leads us to repentance. And all these things are true and right. But what has happened is we have lost the understanding that our God is holy. And so we've seen the drift. In our families, we've seen the drift. In our churches, we've seen the drift. That we just, ah, whatever, God's love, it doesn't matter. No, it does matter because God is holy. And he is righteous. And he's, he's to be held in high honor in our lives. And he wants to help us to do that and to represent him. This holiness of God, it can transform your families. If you hold this, this idea that God is, is holy, hallowed be, may your, may your name be holy in my family, oh God. That's going to change what you watch in your home. God, may your name be held as high honor and holy. That's going to give you the understanding that in my house we will serve the Lord. We will understand. I believe this is, the, this is kind of the, 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 the linchpin to the transformation of our society, of our, of our marriages, of our homes, of our health that we begin seeing God as holy and worthy to be held in high honor and high regard. It will give you confidence. It will anchor you to the word of God. The word of God is not about our preferences. It's about that God is holy. He said it. And so now we ask him to help us obey it. 
And then in that response, he then gives us his own spirit to help us to walk it out and to live it. Listen, the reason why churches, why followers of Jesus are pro-life, are pro-marriage being between one man and one woman, are pro-values that align with God's word, pro-churches remaining open, why we choose to please God and not man, why we are pro-feeding the hungry, why we give our tithes and our offering to our church, why we support world missions, why we teach our children to honor their parents and husbands, love your wives and wives respect and love your husbands. Why do we teach our young men to protect women and work hard and be providers or teach our young women to have high standards, to be godly and to honor God with their lives. Why would we lay our lives down for his name's sake and with all the other many things that, that we do and we live, it is because we view God's name on our lives as holy, as sacred, as righteous, and because we strive to see him as hallowed, our actions will flow with that. That's why we do what we do because our God is holy and we are part of his family. We live by his values, not the world's. We do what he says, not man. We will not give to Caesar what does not belong to Caesar. We give it to God because it's his. Jesus said, when you pray, ask God to help you live from the reality that God is holy and to help you represent his name well. Number three, when you pray, pray for God's kingdom and will to be established on earth and in your life. Jesus says this, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Something for us to understand, God's kingdom is established whenever or wherever his will is done. So as you begin to align your life with the holiness of God and the word of God, guess what? The kingdom of God begins to be established in your home. The establishment of the kingdom of God is not just, you know, Lord, let the, it be established. It's not a, it's a come into an alignment with the things of God, the ways of God, the actions of God, the truth of God. And as you align that, all of a sudden God's kingdom begins to become established in your midst. Your kingdom come as your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, listen, in heaven, it's perfect. God's will is always done in heaven. It's perfect. But not on earth. That's why Jesus said to seek first the kingdom of God, meaning we are to choose to follow God's will for our lives. And when we do that, these other things of God's kingdom will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God, then these things will be added. So the first step of seeing God's kingdom just absolutely transform your families, your lives, your marriages, this community, your finances, is to seek first and come into alignment with 
the things of God, the holiness of God, the word of God, and by his grace, he will help you to do that. If that is your prayer in heart, you can't do it on your own, but when you do, then all these other things begin to be added that are byproducts of the kingdom of God manifesting in your life. And here's the beautiful thing, the kingdom of God, the rules of the kingdom, the manifestations of the kingdom, the spirit of the kingdom, the provision of the kingdom are not part of this world. They are outside of this world. They are supernatural. And then we can access those in our natural lives as we come into alignment with him. Amen. So we pray for his will and then we do his will. And so we can come into alignment. Number, number four, when you pray, Jesus says, ask and trust God to provide for you. This is, this is the truth that God wants to provide for you. He was a provider by nature. And Jesus says, pray, give us day by day, this day, our daily bread. Listen, this is about Jesus is letting you know you can depend on God for your provision. You can depend on God for your provision. You can depend on God to provide for your household, for your life for your healing, for your forgiveness, for your deliverance, for, your, for his peace. You can depend on him to provide for you. Every day we're to trust God. It's interesting, Jesus says, give us day by day our daily bread. In other words, every day, listen, I, like, day, I can pray for tomorrow, that's okay, but today, God, today, give me today what I need. Meet my needs today, God. And the scripture is clear that God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Each day, every day, he's saying the word to depend on God's provision every day. Trust him, Lord, today provide for me. There's this reoccurring theme in Jesus' ministry. He continues to tell those, his listeners, he continues to tell the listeners that there is provision for them every day of their life. Now, now listen, I, I'm gonna say something that may be shocking. I'm not meaning for it to be. Either God is a liar or he actually is a man of his word. But there is this powerful progression through this prayer that Jesus taught us that allows us to see God properly, allows us to understand and hold him in high honor. And as we do that, we align our lives with him and, and obey him and, and lead our families well and our personal lives well and our relationships well because we are coming to alignment with his word. And from that then comes the access to the Lord. Can you meet my daily needs today? And then in that, God continues to meet us and we continue to walk with God. So on one occasion, Jesus, now listen, listen. Jesus says this. Do, do not, everybody say do not, say, say be anxious about tomorrow. That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. I'm not saying we don't use wisdom. I'm not saying we don't, we, we don't you know, save and we don't do these things. But 
I'll just be honest with you for a moment here. You know, there was the, the prophetic word that came out by the pastor in, in Kentucky when the pandemic kicked off and everybody's watching it. And, you know, just so you're aware, I get a few of those sent to me, just so you're aware of that. I don't know if you know that or not. <clears throat> and he shares the dream. And then he says, so stock up food, get guns, get ammo, run for the hills. God's in control. Matthew records Jesus saying, hey, hey, those of you who God is your father, hey, those of you who, who view God's name as holy and you want to represent him, hey, you can ask God to meet your daily needs. And he's faithful. Yeah, but Jesus, I, what, what, about, what about tomorrow? And, what, what about, and then Jesus responds, hey, do not be anxious about tomorrow. And then listen, what you will eat or drink. And in that teaching, Jesus compares heavenly father with earthly father. And he says, what earthly father, when asked for bread, will give you a stone? Well, a bad one. That's really what that is. Or if you ask an earthly father for a fish, that he'll give you a scorpion. Well, a bad one. So much more is God that gives perfect gifts, willing, willing and able to meet those daily needs. Willing and able. So to have a God that's willing but not able, it's not God. To have a God who is able and not willing, it's not a good father. Do not be anxious. Why? Because today, Lord, just as I've aligned my life with you, will you provide food for my family? Will you provide provision? Will you go before me as you promised you would? As I hold your name in high regard and value your name over my life, how I treat my, my, my family and my wife, how I honor you with my thoughts and what I allow to entertain me, what I allow to, to be in my life, what I allow to, to go in my mind, what I allow to influence me. Lord, I want to, I, I want to do this from your holiness, from your place. Lord, will you meet my needs? And he says, God, who gives perfect gifts, is willing and able to meet your needs. Does that bring comfort to anyone? That should comfort you today. Ask him to meet your needs. Then look by faith how he's going to do it. Number five, when you pray, acknowledge your failures and ask God for forgiveness. So important. Jesus says, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. In other words, people who have hurt us, people who have done wrong things against us. Listen, I know that many of us in here have been hurt by people, and you have been sinned against, and you have been, it's, it's, it's happened to you. And you're having a hard time forgiving them. You're having a hard time releasing that bitterness. But it's important you understand 
You'll never be able to forgive people who have sinned against you until you first understand that God has forgiven you of your sins completely and wholeheartedly. We have all sinned. We continue to make mistakes. We, we experience failure. Jesus recognizes the greatest need in a person's life is forgiveness. It's the greatest need. It's, it's like, it's like the, uh, the story out of Luke 5 where the friends bring, bring their par- paralytic friend, the paralyzed friend, to Capernaum and Jesus is in a home and they rip the, they rip the, uh, the roof off and they lower the, 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 the person down who's, they can't take care of themselves. They're, they're paralyzed. And so they're lowering, they're lowering it down and this is what Jesus says. Jesus looked at the man and says, friend, your sins are forgiven. And his friends are like, that's not why we brought him here, Jesus. Why? Because his greatest need was not physical healing. His greatest need was forgiveness. If you were able to look around this room and you were to see, if we were to see everybody's needs here, be like, oh man, that, yeah, that person, God, you need to do this in their life. And God, give them this opportunity. Lord, heal their marriage and, and God, heal their mind. And Lord, help them forgive their, you know, their, their, their mom or dad. And Lord, move in their life and God provide for them here. That's what we would think. You'd be like, okay, that's the need they, that they have. But Jesus looks at us and says, actually, you need forgiveness. When you're born again, now listen, the penalty of sin, the penalty of hell, separation from God is like all of that, it's paid for. Like you are saved, you're eternally secure, once and for all removed. But the presence of sin, I don't know if you're aware of this or not in your life, is still a reality. So we have a new nature, yes. Our flesh, though, is constantly being dragged back by sin. And a Christian may sin. But a true Christian cannot sin and enjoy it. And the key point to this prayer is that Jesus was teaching us, Lord, forgive us our sins so that we can fully understand that you, I'll never have to forgive someone any more than what you've forgiven me. We have to understand our sin against the holy God was horrific. No man will ever sin against you as badly as you have sinned against God. And understanding that then allows you to forgive and to release people from what they've done to you. Your willingness to forgive is proof of your salvation. It's not a a prerequisite of it, but it's proof that you understand God has forgiven you. So do you need forgiveness today? Do you need to confess your failures, your pride, your sinful actions? Jesus said daily, ask, Lord, cleanse my heart. I do this every day in my life. Lord, forgive me for my attitude. Forgive me for my, that thought. Forgive me for, for the pride. Forgive me for not, why did I speak to my wife that way? Forgive me. Lord, forgive me and cleanse me. And he meets me. Number six, when you pray, ask God to help you stay in step with him. 
Jesus said, and we pray, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The truth is this, God doesn't lead his children into temptation. That's why James says, let no one say that they are tempted by God. But really the right, right way of saying this, lead us lest we fall into temptation and deliver us from evil when or if we do. Prayer helps you to remain on God's pathway. And I invite you today to understand these, these, these incredible truths. The devil is the evil one and he hates it when Christians pray. You have victory and your breakthroughs on the other side of you leaning into God, having a daily prayer life, walking with God. That's what God invites you to. Samuel Chadwick said this. He's a Wesleyan Methodist minister for the 1900s. He said, one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. Charles Spurgeon said, I'd rather teach one man to pray than teach 10 men to preach. God is inviting us today to understand him fresh and new. Let's pray. Father, today we come to you as children recognizing we need you. Lord, today I pray that we would see you as Father who is eagerly awaiting to meet our needs. Lord, today I pray that we would understand your great love for us as your child. And as we recognize, Lord, we are marked by your name. Lord, that we would honor you, that we would hold your name in high honor over our lives. And Lord, as we do that, may it transform our families and our lives and our workplaces and our community and our societies. Lord, may we hold strong to the holiness of God in our lives. Lord, I don't want to become apathetic. I don't want to be seduced by the world that would somehow lower the holiness of God. God, forgive us and cleanse us if in any way we have allowed your name to not be represented well through my life and my mindset. Lord, today we realign our lives to you and we say, our Father, Holy, holy is your name. May your name be holy and regarded as holy in my life. And Lord, as I align your word, align to your word and your understanding, Father, supply every one of our needs today. God, today we need you. We need you to move by your power, we need the manifestation of your kingdom in our lives. Lord, today we thank you that you are providing your going before us. Lord, today we bring to you our sin. God, you're not wanting to punish us for our sins because that's already happened, but you're waiting to cleanse us. And so today we run to you, giving you our sins of pride, our, our sins of arrogance, our sins 
of ego, our sins of lust, our sins of substance abuse, our sins of abuse, our sins of anger, our sins of manipulation, our sins of compromise, our sins of sexual impurity, our sins of selfishly living our lives. And Lord, once you cleanse me and cleanse us today. Lord, if we've gotten off our pathway, which I know you revealed it to some of us today already, Lord, lead us not into temptation. And Lord, I've fallen, and some of us have fallen, so Lord, deliver me from the evil one. And may you put my feet back in the right place with you. And so Lord, we give you our lives today, and we get back to our purpose. We get back to you being the loving Father in our hearts, our minds, our holy, our holy life that we would live. And you will provide for us and you will sustain us and you will keep us on the right pathway because of your grace. In Jesus' name. Just remain with your heads bowed just for a moment. If you're here and you would say, Lord, I don't know you and I want to know you today and I want to be saved. I want to give my life to Jesus. If you're here today and you'd like to be saved and eternally secure, nobody's looking around, just lift your hand right now before the Lord and hold your hand. God bless you. Just hold your hand so I can say, God bless you. Anyone else, just lift your hand. You can put your hands down. Anyone else want to give your life to Jesus today? This is your moment. Don't let it, don't let it slip by. If you raised your hand or if you didn't and you want to pray and ask God to cleanse you, forgive you and bring you into his family, the Bible says that if you will believe with your heart, confess with your mouth, that you will be saved. And we wanna help you do that today. Let's all pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Cleanse me of my sin. I receive your forgiveness. I believe that you died for me, and I believe that you rose from the dead, and I commit my life to you. I am a part of your family today. Let my old life pass away, and give me a new life that I will live for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand today. If you gave your life to Jesus today, right in front of you, connect card, you can fill that out. Check the little box that says, gave my life to Jesus, and you just drop it off at the white buckets when you leave. Also, if you have a prayer request, you can do the same thing. Fill out that prayer request and drop it on the white buckets when you leave. Let's all stand to our feet. I'd be honored if you just give me 20 seconds to bless you and to pray over your families and pray God's protection over you and his favor over you. So if you could, just lift your hands to receive from the Lord today. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would bless 
these precious people who you love so dearly and you care for so dearly. Lord, I ask you that you would protect them, that you would keep them from the evil one, that you would restore to them everything the devourer has taken from them. Lord, I ask you today that you would restore minds, spirits, hearts, and bodies. Lord, I pray for your provision, supernatural provision of your kingdom in their lives. Where they think there is not a way, God, you're going to make a way. Where they think the door can't be open, you're going to kick it down. And Lord, I pray that you would bless these people. You would prosper them. You cause your face to shine upon them. That you would give them peace. And that you would be with them, Lord, as they go and protect them. In Jesus' name, amen.